Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. Today I want to walk through a story in the Old Testament, and uh, that's not always an exciting introduction. But uh, I, I find the story fascinating on many levels, and I think hidden in its framework are lessons that can help us in our lives. Now, our story today is found in 1 Samuel chapter 23. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to follow along here. 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse number 1. I forgot my handkerchief this morning, so they brought me an FC handkerchief, so just acknowledge that today. 1 Samuel chapter 23, then they told David, saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against Calah, and they are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go? And attack these Philistines. And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Calah. I want to speak on this subject today lessons from Calah. Have you ever been doing good things and it seems like it only creates bad results? Just going about doing good doing good works, trying to do your best to help, and you just keep finding bad results. I was talking to Andrew Shirley yesterday, and he reminded me of a story. I was going to preach at a church in Indiana years ago, and I was going to do the work of the Lord. Just doing God's work. And I got a speeding ticket. That's just not right. And I, I, this is no lie, and maybe it's confession, but I, I've gotten a few tickets in my lifetime. And I, (laughs) somebody said amen. And I, I prayed some selfish prayers at times, and I'd almost, I, it wasn't a full upset, but I was just frustrated with God a little bit. Like, God, you could have warned me. <laughs> like, we talk to each other every day, try to talk to each other every day. But especially going to preach, like, I'm doing your work. Surely I could have got a heads up. I'm wasting my money, I feel like. I pay my tithe. I give in the offering. God, isn't there a way that we can arrange for me to continue to do good works quickly? (laughs) And all I could get from God is just slow down. Doing good things 
and results are bad. When we begin to dive into the story of 1 Samuel 23, we recognize that David, we love David. If you're not familiar with David, he's a key character in Scripture. And he's doing the best that he can. He is trying to serve God. He's serving his country. He's serving his family. He's doing what's right. You know the story of David and Goliath where he he kills Goliath and he allows the children of Israel to come out from under the oppression of the Philistines. And he walks into that moment. He's just doing good things. He's not asking for a position. He's not jockeying for anything in the corporation. He's just doing good things. And in the midst of that, he finds himself in the struggle of his life. Israel's first king, King Saul, is immensely jealous of David. And King Saul is in a full pursuit to not just capture David, but to kill David. Isn't that comforting when the person who is supposed to be leading you is trying to kill you? You're doing everything you can to fight for this man, to fight for his best interest in mind, fighting for him every day, going out there, and yet he is trying to kill you. And I would imagine for David that this doesn't make sense for him. This is unnecessary, and it's certainly unexplainable. How how do you explain that? How do you justify that? How do you reconcile that with a God who had anointed him? So here is the first thing we learn, I believe, about Kayla. There are times we will walk through life where there is no clear reason for the bad things that are happening in our lives. I wish that I could have a clear answer to every tragedy, every temptation, and every trial. Because the first question we come to after loss, or the first question we come to after difficulty or resistance is why. It is the question that is a mental valve that somehow we feel can release the pressure of the crisis. If I could know why, then I would be at peace. If I could only have a good reason for why this happened, then I could accept what has happened. Jesus gives us Three reasons why bad things happen to us. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus gave a parable about the types of soil. He gave us four types of soil. And in Mark chapter 4, verse 15, it says that the ones that were on the wayside or by the wayside where the word is sown, when they hear the word, Satan comes and immediately takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. In other words, the pressure that this individual faced was an attack from the enemy, the enemy of our soul. It was an attack from Satan. 
And he said, there's those who have stony ground. They hear the word and immediately receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves, verse 17, and so endure only for a time. And then afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. That some things happen that are just tribulations and persecutions, things that happen just in life. And then he said in verse 18, these are the ones thrown, sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. It happens because we are reaching for something. The pressure that we feel is because we're after things that are more about the desires of our hearts. And so in other words, you see these three things. Satan is either attacking us, or it's simply a trial, or persecution, or we are pursuing things in our lives that create scenarios in our lives. Sometimes we face consequences of our own decisions. Sometimes it's life, and life happens, and trials come. And sometimes the enemy of our soul is pursuing us. But here's what I know. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Serving God is not a guarantee that you won't face pressure. Serving God is not a guarantee that you won't get sick. Somebody needs to hear that. Serving God is not a guarantee that you won't struggle or that you won't feel pain. Christianity is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Christianity is simply a direction, a belief that God has something better for us on the other side. And that belief and that understanding that God has something better for us creates peace here on earth and changes the pursuit of our lives. And so Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Let me keep reading this passage because I think it's powerful. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. I am not exempt 
from pressure because I'm a Christian. I'm not exempt from pain because I'm a Christian. But what I understand is that my hope doesn't lie in this physical body being repaired. My hope doesn't rely on somehow there's some utopia in this earth that I'm going to live. No, my hope is in that Jesus Christ died for my sins. He rose again and he said, I got a new life for you. Oh, hallelujah. So he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Watch what he says. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far exceeding an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. There are things that will happen to us in life that have no good explanation. It won't make sense. Tragedy and loss and rejection and suffering. I think that David would have been extremely confused by his circumstance. I'm doing everything right, and yet I'm walking through suffering. But here's where I find this story in 1 Samuel 23 intriguing. While David is being pursued by Saul, hear me now. While he's being pursued by Saul, and while David is facing immense personal pressure. 1 Samuel 23 verse 1 says, Then they told David, look, the Philistines are fighting against Calah, and they are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Calah. Now, if you were just to extract this scripture from the Bible, which I did to open my message, many of you have an idea of who David is. You would say, what's the big deal about the passage? David's always fighting the Philistines. David was always defeating the Philistines. It talked about the story of David and Goliath. But this is not a story that emerges when David is king, when he is counting sheep and he is counting money. This story emerges as David is a weak nobody and is being pursued by the most powerful person in the country. David is hiding in a forest when his spies come to him and tell him the Philistines are attacking and robbing the threshing floor at Calah. And what is amazing and important for us today is that David does not pause and say, you know what, I think I've got enough pressure for the day. Because that's where I would be. You know what, guys, I appreciate that. 
I appreciate that Kayla is facing trouble. But have you guys looked around? Have you noticed something? We're not exactly the most liked people. We're, we're not people who are free to just go about our regular life. We're facing pressure. That's what I would say. But David doesn't see it that way. He says, well, let me inquire of the Lord. Because if the Philistines are attacking Caleb, then maybe God would want me to go deliver Caleb. Now, it seems that the 400 men who were with David are not as eager as David. Verse 3 of chapter 23. But David's men said to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Cala against the armies of the Philistines? That sounds right. That's logical. We're already in a heap of trouble. You're only inviting more trouble. Mentions David's men. I'll say this quickly. David's men were not the cream of the crop at this point. 1 Samuel chapter 22 tells us who these men were. It says that David departed with these men in verse 1 of chapter 22. His brothers, all his father's house heard it. They went down with him. And then it lists these other people that were with him. Everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented or bitter in soul gathered to him. So he became the captain over the island of the misfit toys. It's the bad news bears. Great team you assembled. Look how distressed they are. Look how in debt they are. Look how discontented and bitter they are. But they joined to David. And they were like, David, we were already messed up. Now we're with you and you're being hunted by the king. Why are you even considering going to Kayla? But David's men... They didn't know something that David knew. That life wasn't just about the pressure that they felt. David saw a bigger picture. And here we find another pretty important lesson. That while the civil war between David and Saul is going on, David understood that the true enemy of Israel was the Philistines. And they're wreaking havoc on their fellow countrymen. And so verse 4 of chapter 23 says, David inquired of the Lord once again. He had already prayed and God said go. His misfit bunch said hold on. So he went to the Lord again. And the Lord answered him. Said arise, go down to Cala for I will deliver the Philistines into your hands and so David, his men, went to Cala and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Cala. Here's the valuable lesson. That while, yes, we walk through different pressures and stresses in our lives, 
May we never forget that the enemy is fighting for the souls of men. And while we may find ourselves personally in a dark cave, personally entangled in a forest, I want to remind us today that God is still working. And God's plan is bigger than my personal issue. In the midst of life, in the midst of pressure, we cannot forget that God is still working in the world. And King Saul was so caught up with his petty self-interest that he neglected his position of protector of the children of Israel. And David said, though, I know we're stressed, and I know we're a mess, and I know we're misfits, but I wasn't anointed just to fight my own battles. I was anointed to fight the Lord's battles. So David inquires of the Lord whether he should go, and he gets the answer from God, go. And his men say, all right, let's go. And we can get overwhelmed with our own lives. How many have been overwhelmed over the last several months, maybe the last 18 months? There's been some times when you felt some personal pressure. I don't know if Satan's creating it. I don't know if it's just tribulation and persecution and just a normal thing. I don't know if you've caused it by the cares of life. But what I understand is that regardless of whatever pressure I may be facing individually, what I have to always remember is that God is working in the world and God is looking to save and to seek those who are lost. And Jesus was asked on many occasions what it would take to inherit eternal life and Jesus said, love the Lord your God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. Regardless of how we are facing or what we are facing, we are called to love our neighbor. The story that Jesus gives about the Good Samaritan, the lawyer who was trying to catch Jesus off guard, ask him, what's the great need? What does it mean to love your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And then Jesus asked, the question, who is neighborly? Was it the priest who walked by? Was it the Levite who walked by? Or was it the Samaritan who did something about it, who probably had his own pressures in life, but saw somebody in need? Jesus asked the question, who was neighborly? And that attorney or that lawyer who was trying to catch Jesus said, the one who showed mercy. To love our neighbor means to show mercy. So what does that look like? John chapter 13, Jesus said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Not love your neighbor as yourself anymore, but love your neighbor as I have loved you. And what was the way that Christ loved us? And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And regardless of the pressure that we may be facing personally, 
There has to be something in our hearts. And I pray in the Calvary Church, in the heart of who the Calvary Church is, that we are always looking for the broken, the prisoner, the dying, the confused, the doubters, the unstable, the feeble and weak and poor, all nationalities, all ethnicities, the orphans, the homeless, the children, the teenager, the widow. Because Jesus said, for I was hungry and you gave me food and I was thirsty and you gave me drink and I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or when were you thirsty and we gave you drink? When did we see uh, you a stranger and take you in and naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say, most assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did did it to me. If I, if Jesus walked in here today, we would all be clamoring to serve him. We would all be clamoring to ask him what he needs. Can I help you today? Here, sit here. Jesus said, I'll show you how to serve me. Serve them. You want to love me? Love them. And we see David saying, in spite of the pressure, in spite of my own issues that are facing me, I'm not going to be so self-absorbed that all I'm worried about is gathering an army of people that can serve my pain. But David said, if the Lord wants me to fight battles, I'll go. And David demonstrates for us the power of prayer. As at every turn, he said, God, do you want me to go? Do I need to go here? Do you want me to help? And so, as we get towards the end of this story... David and his men went and they struck them and they saved the inhabitants of Cala. Praise God. David helped him. He saved them. But now comes what I think is the more challenging part. That Saul hears about David going to Cala. And he says, I'm coming after David and Cala. And David thinks... I just saved these people. Surely they would be kind to me and my men. Watch what David prays. Chapter 23, verse 10. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Calah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Calah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Saul's on his way. But David had a, he wanted that question answered. But will the men of Calah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, 
they will deliver you. That's tough to hear. David's already facing a battle that he feels overwhelmed by. He goes out of his way to help these people. He didn't have to, but he went out of his way. And yet at the end of the day, they wouldn't stand with him. And so it says that David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Calah and went wherever they should go. It was told Saul that David had escaped Calah, so he halted the expedition. You would think that they would want to help David, but they didn't. And when it comes down to it, you and I know it. Everyone is out for themselves. Everyone is out to protect themselves. And sometimes, no matter how much we try to help people, they turn their back on us. And they reject us. They don't say thank you. They don't acknowledge our effort. Many times it seems as if we just did it for nothing. We reached out for nothing. We gave them money for nothing. We visited them for nothing. But we err if we measure our success by their response. Because David wasn't going there to manipulate the system. He went there because God asked him to go. And his confidence was not in the response of the people. His confidence was in the fact that God told him to go. The victory wasn't about David's personal life. It wasn't about getting leverage to manipulate God. It was simply about God's will being done. And the Calvary Church is founded on this idea that we do the will of God at any cost. I don't do good things to get out of my circumstance. I don't do good in the world to somehow manipulate God into giving me a free pass somewhere. I do good in the world because God asked me to do good in the world. And he and he alone is responsible for the results. And so the weight of the results are not on me. All I carry is did I do what God asked me to do? And I pray today somebody would have it in your heart to simply do what God is asking you to do. I know you're facing pressure. I know you've got things going on all around you. But I wonder if God would be speaking to some and whispering to some saying, hey, there's some people over here. There's some people in this area of Cincinnati. There's some friends who are desperate for me would you go and would you try to help them? Jesus went to the cross. You can stand with me. And Jesus went to the cross for you and I. He did not have a guarantee on how we would respond. He didn't have a guarantee that we would accept his free gift of grace. He simply did it 
because it was what he was anointed to do. What I understand is that sometimes our best efforts don't meet our expectations. Sometimes our best efforts don't meet our expectations. But we put our efforts in the hands of God. We put our good works in the hands of God. And we are at peace that we did what God asked us to do. And here's what we conclude with today. After David flees Kayla, 1 Samuel 23 verse 14 tells us, David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness as if Saul sought him every day. But God did not deliver him into his hand. God will fight our battles if we will fight his. God will fight our battles if we will fight his. Saul was simply a distraction to get David off the idea that he was to pursue the enemies of God's people. David kept in mind that, you know what? This battle belongs to the Lord. And if he invites me to go, I'm going to go. And I trust that the Lord knows my battles. He knows the pressures that I face. There are people in here today that you are in an absolute war. The enemy has waged war on your home, on your finances, on your job, in your ministry, at the church. The worst thing that you can do is bury your head in your circumstance. To lock your life in a pursuit of revenge, to lock your life in a pursuit of self-pity, or in a state of resentment. We are called by God to pursue the enemy. And I believe that God is calling some of you to look beyond your own pressure. And if you'll stay involved in what God is doing, God will walk you through your adversity. Maybe days, maybe months, could be years. I'm going to trust God to fight my battles. Because when you're willing to do God's will and do what's right, you will not be overtaken by your present circumstance. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.